Hey, really glad you're here this morning. You know, I have been a Christian a long time, since 1976. That's about 34, 35 years. And here's something I've learned, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. And it's simply this. The Christian life is able to be lived more easily, and life is more fulfilling and enriching if I live it in the community of believers. You know, if I just kind of live my life my own, do my own thing, life gets pretty tough. I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anyone looking over my shoulder. But the Christian life is easier to live if you live it in a community of believers in a local church. And I hope that you've sensed God's presence today. And if you live in Texarkana, if you're looking for a family of believers, I sure hope that you'll consider us. We do this every weekend. It may not be Easter, but for us, every Sunday is a day of worship. Every Sunday is a day of prayer. Every Sunday is a time to get together with friends and be together. But uh, next week, as we said, we're doing a special meal after church, going to cook just, you know, pounds of hamburgers and hang out just for a chance to get acquainted. So I hope you'll come back. Great things for the kids. And I'm starting a new series next week called Choices. And here's something I know. The right choices in life will bring me happiness and success, but how many know the wrong choices will lead my life in a ditch? The right choices will lead me closer to God. The wrong choices will pull me from Him. The right choices will, 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 will cause me to stay on the narrow path, as the Bible says, of life. The wrong choices will put me on the wide path of destruction. And it's not going to be theory. It's going to be real practical about life. Uh, next Sunday or the Sunday after, you know, in our town, there's a big uh, vote coming up on whether alcohol should be sold on the Texas side. I'm going to preach on that because I've never really talked about alcohol or drugs much in the last 20 years or so. But I'm going to do that, and I think you'll be really surprised about what the Bible has to say. It won't be a beat you over the head with the Bible, but it'll be a fresh look about something that we deal with. This church is very relevant. We try to make the Bible real in our everyday life. So I hope you'll connect with us next week. Matthew chapter 28 is where we're going to look this morning. I doubt, it's prob probable that most Christian churches across the world, as they celebrate this day, are looking at this or a similar passage. Uh, Matthew 28, it's been a couple days, Friday, since Jesus was crucified. And here's kind of what happened. If you know much of the Bible, or perhaps you, you may not know much, but on Friday morning, Jesus got up very early in the morning. He was arrested on Thursday evening in the middle of the night. They took him. Uh, they, they judged him before Pilate. He was brutally beaten. He hung on a cross in the afternoon, 12 to about 3 o'clock. It was, it was like a, a, an eclipse. God made it dark on the earth. Christ died his last breath. He did that, the Bible tells us, so he could pay the penalty of the price for our sins. But his body stayed in the tomb for a couple days, and somehow Christ, during that period of time, Friday night and throughout the day, on Saturday and Saturday into the night, Christ was somehow bearing the penalty of our sins from Satan himself. There was a judgment he was experiencing so we wouldn't have to. And then lo and behold, sometimes early Sunday morning, he said, this is enough of this. He took the keys of hell and death, the Bible says, from the devil. Paradise was emptied of the believing saints, and everything changed at that moment when Christ rose from the dead. Well, this is the story. Early Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, now listen to her name because we're going to come back to her. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Now, that's a pretty incredible picture, isn't it? <laughs> where they show up and they're going to do some burial aids, some spices or whatever the case may be in embalming his body. But lo and behold, there's an angel. That, and I bet that angel had a big smile on his face as he's saying that Roman soldiers are scared to death that we're trying to stop him. How I many know nothing can stop what God wants to do? 
Well, lo and behold, the angel was there, and of course, celebration began to break out. The, woman said, the angel said to the woman, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Now listen, I, w- I wish that could just sink in my mind in some way. He was dead, and now he's alive. In our world, when people die, they're dead. And I tell you, my friends, it happens every day. We had a tragedy in our church just this past Thursday. I got a call about 5.30 or so. I'm headed home, and paramedics called me. And one of our church members, Steve Hallathan, died in his sleep that day. His wife, Penny, I think Penny's here today, and her family's in town. Well, uh, you get a call, and I go to the house. The paramedics are still there. Where The policemen are there, and, and, and my friend Steve is on the floor. He is not there, friend. And can I tell you, at a moment like that, what I'm saying this morning gets no more real. And Penny and I looked at each other. We were in shock. We wanted him to be there, but he wasn't. But guess what? We looked at each other and we said, you know what? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is hope, come on, that Steve's life is not over. It has not ceased. His spirit has gone to be with the Lord. And listen, one day his body's coming back to life. Jesus told us there's going to be a resurrection of the just that's going to lead to eternal life, but a resurrection of condemnation to those that have rejected Christ. So in the midst of sadness, there was still hope. And that's what I want you to learn this morning is in the midst of life's darkest days, God is still there and He is still real for us. Now we're going to look at Easter through this woman, Mary Magdalene. Her name is mentioned again in Mark chapter 16 as Mark tells this story in verse 9 of this resurrection day. Verse 9 says, Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, Sunday, and he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Now, isn't that interesting? He's got 12 guys, 11 guys actually at this point that are apostles, that have followed him, that are going to preach the great sermon on Pentecost. But on this day, the guys are hiding somewhere, scared that they're going to be killed. And Mary is following Christ even up to this point. But it adds something interesting. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. Now, what in the world does that mean? I think just a minute with me as we look at Mary's life. Don't think the exorcist and crazy horror movies, but I want you to think about a woman that was somehow so entangled with evil that she couldn't control herself. I want you to think about your life and my life as well, where evil sometimes just wraps itself around you and it just messes your life up. Well, somehow Jesus took that woman, he changed her life in such a dramatic way that she started to follow him, and now she is the first one he sees at the tomb. It's a powerful story as we look into the life of Mary Magdalene. I'm going to call this message this morning, Crazy Mary. And I say that with quotation marks because you've probably heard some things about Mary that are not true, but we're going to look at her life today and see the resurrection through the eyes of Mary. But as we do that, I first want to share a little testimony with you on video about some members of our church and how Christ has changed their lives. It's the theme of the message today. Hi, my name's Carl Hilliard. I was a drunk, a drug addict, and not a very nice person. But Jesus changed all that. You know, on September 19th, 2004, I come to know the Lord. You know, I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. That day is very important to me because that's the day my daughter decided she wanted me to go to church. You know, she'd been dragging on me a little bit to go to church, but I just wouldn't go. And when she told me where she wanted to go, I said, no, I'm not going there. And uh, you know, when your daughter just, with tears in her eyes, asked you to take her, you go. And so I did, I listened, I paid attention. And as I said, 
September 19, 2004 changed my life for the rest of my life. And I'll never be the same again because God has moved me into places that I never thought I would go, do or say. Now I do jail ministry. I reach out to the people like me wherever I needed. That's where I, he wants me to go, I'll go. I don't question it, I just go. My name's Jerry Sermons. I just want to let you all know that when I came back from Vietnam, for 10 years I ran from God. And everything I tried to do and put my hand to, it fell apart. But when I finally realized that it was my life wasn't working, I decided to kill myself and I had a gun to my head. And this voice spoke to me when I had that gun to my head and said, what is your mama going to do? And my mother meant a lot to me. And I, when I thought about that for a period of time in there, I put the gun down and some people asked me to church. And you know, I never thought that by my going to church would change my life entirely. So when I went to church and I got saved and baptized, my whole life started going uphill. A lot of times we think God's not there and He doesn't care, but He does care. But it's our choice that we have to make for Him to go His way. And when I came back from Vietnam for 10 years, everything fell apart. But I had a special visitation from God in Vietnam. And he told me, he said, I want you in the ministry. And I never thought of anything of that happening in my life. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm 65 years old and I'm still going. And I'm going to tell you, God is still real and he's more real every day. Well, tell your neighbor, if God changed them, I bet he can change me. Now think about these stories you've heard today, and these are not make-believe people. We didn't find them on the internet. These are real-life people that just go to our church every Sunday. I was a drug addict. I was a, uh, I was a bad person. I was struggling in my life. I had a gun to my head, but something happened in my life. I met Jesus Christ. Come on, and I'm not the same as I used to be. I used to be like this, but when I believed in Christ and started following Him, I've got a brand new life that I'm living today. And that's what I want to tell you today. The same change that changed Mary and changed the picture of the testimonies you've been seeing today, that same Christ is alive and He can change your life today. He changed mine, my friend, and He can do it for all of us today. Let's look in the Bible together. Luke chapter 8. We're going to go back to Mary's story. And who in the world was this crazy Mary lady? The first mention of Mary in the Bible, verse 1, Jesus is, is following a normal pattern when the three years He was on this earth. He went up through the cities and villages these three years of his preaching. And notice what he does. He's proclaiming good news of the kingdom of God. Can you say good news? Good news. I mean, we live in a world that's full of bad news. And here Jesus is walking around the countryside, literally proclaiming the truth of the Bible, good news that God loves you, God has a plan for your life, God wants you to follow Him and live His way. Mary was listening. Twelve people are there with Him, that's His disciples. And now at this point in time, there's some women who've been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. So as we find the first mention of Mary, we see her following Christ. We see her beginning when she was somehow tangled up with evil and the world and, and sin and trouble and selfishness all in one bundle. But somehow she met Christ and now she's following Him and she gives the rest of her life doing that until she literally meets Him on resurrection morning. Now what do we know about Mary? Now in America today, typically we that are kind of in the technology world, if you want some information, what do you do? You go to your computer, you go to Google or some search engine and you type something in. I did that. I typed Mary Magdalene movie. And guess what came up? The secrets of Mary Magdalene. Sinner, 
prostitute, the secret wife of Jesus. Oh, yeah. And because it's on the Internet, it must be true. I mean, there's an actual movie about that. And they found somebody, an expert, and they quoted something. So it's got to be true because I saw that. Did you know the earth was saved from a meteorite? It was called Armageddon, and Bruce Willis saved the planet. It's in the Bible, Armageddon. You've heard of it, haven't you? Now, the Bible says it's a, a battle to be fought in the plains of Megiddo in the last days. But, oh, no. Indiana Jones, if you've seen the old Indiana Jones movie, it was the cup of Christ when you found the cup of the carpenter and you put it in the holy water guarded by a soldier that had been there 600 years and you drank from the right cup, you would have eternal life. Isn't it interesting how our world takes some of these things just to make, mo make money and sell things and get people that has absolutely nothing to do with the Bible. And I want to encourage you today as we look at the life of Mary Magdalene, the Bible tells us she was born in the city of Magdala. Magdalene uh, was not her last name. She was born in Galilee in this city, or at least she lived there, the city of Magdala. At some point in her life, she heard Christ. She heard the good news. At some point, he had a face-to-face -face with her. He healed her from this evil that was controlling her life. He changed her, and she started following him. See, it's the pattern throughout the Bible that when people hear, not of religion, but of the living Christ, they drop what they're doing and they say, I'm going to follow you. And she followed him all the way to his cross. She was right there when he was crucified. She was right there at the tomb when they buried him. And she was right there, come on, on resurrection morning. She was the first to see him. And that's what we know about her. That's what's in the Bible. But this particular place, we, you know, the Catholics, by the way, if you're from the Catholic heritage, they have conferred sainthood on Mary. She's called the penitent saint. Mary was a woman whose reputation in early church history, the early fathers, was wrote that she was somewhat like an apostle to the apostle. She was a very spiritual woman. She was someone who had great influence in the kingdom of God. But the Bible tells us that there was a deliverance in her life. These seven demons, these evil forces were somehow destroying her. Seven in the Bible is a number of completion. It doesn't imply necessarily, though it could be, that there were seven demons, demon number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It simply means this woman was messed up. <laughs> this woman was controlled. She was consumed. It had defined her life. Now, I want to give you a couple of pictures, and they're kind of opposites, but they're both depictions of someone who is captured by evil. Imagine someone that you've seen in the newspaper, then an orange jumpsuit, and they're a meth addict. That same person was somebody's little boy, little girl. They had on an Easter dress in church long, long time ago. They were in the paper because they were a great ball player. But now, listen, she is on the street selling her body for meth. When she gets home, she goes to mom's house, and she'll even steal mom's wedding ring just to get drugs. She's consumed by evil. It's all around her, and it's captured her life. Now, that's one picture, but evil can also put you in a $1,000 business suit, come on, making $250 an hour through deception and intimidation, have you eating at, this, at the nicest restaurants in town. It can have you living a life of, mature, of, of prosperity on the outside, but yet inside your life's a wreck. Going home every night, doing who knows what beforehand, but ending up at home, drinking yourself to sleep with a bottle of pills on the dresser, wondering if tonight is the night I'm going to gulp down a big handful. Can I tell you, both ladies, very different. One applauded in society, one looked down on, but both have evil that is surrounding their lives. Both have this force that has got a hold of them. But let me tell you this, whatever power demons have, Jesus has more. 
Let me say it again and let me say it loud. Whatever power Jesus, demons have, Jesus has more power. He, he has the power to set you free. The Bible says he whom the Son sets free is, is free indeed. Listen, as I look through the Bible trying to see what these demons and evil do to people, I found about 20 references to their influence. And I won't read these, all the scriptures, but let me tell you, devils and demons can make people do crazy things crazy things. See, we see people in the Bible under the influence of evil who were violent. There's a man called the Gadarene maniac. He lived in the tombs. He, he didn't wear clothes. They couldn't bind him with chains. He seemed like a crazy man until Jesus got a hold of him, and then he's sitting in his right mind. I mean, oh, Jesus can take a person that in our world today, we just stick them in an insane asylum in a psychiatric hospital and drug them until they die. Jesus can even turn that type of person around. See, Jesus can bring change. Listen, I, was, I, I had a time in my life where I was addicted to some things, where things were controlling my life. I'm not interested anymore in picking up a bottle, come on, and drinking myself into a stupor. I, I'm not interested in getting drunk anymore and making a fool out of myself. I'm not interested in that anymore. Something happens when Christ gets a hold of your life. He can change you, not just make you go to church, but come on, Christ in you is the hope of glory. They're violent. People in the Bible that are affected by demons become suicidal. A demon tried to throw one person in the fire and into the water to drown them or to kill themselves. Demons can make people sick. They can deceive people, torment people. Demons can influence a person to be greedy. How did Judas betray Jesus because Satan somehow got in there and with 20 pieces of silver? The devil can push people in that direction. Uh, demons can cause people to worship false gods, to be dangerous, to terrorize people, to cut themselves. Maybe you've known someone that's hiding the scars or even now they're just cutting themselves with a knife or with glass or with their fingernails or something. They don't know why. They're pulling out their hair. Can I tell you, somehow the devil can just get in and just twist things all up. But I want to tell you, my friend, whatever happened to crazy Mary, Jesus set her free. <laughs> because she started believing, she got forgiveness, and then she started following Christ. And when she started following Christ, God cleaned her life up. See, this Christian thing is not like going to a movie and going, wow, I got prayed for, everything is great. It is a start of your life, and it is a progressive change, come on, that comes as we walk with God all our days. Well, this was Mary's life, and you know what I think? I think there's a little crazy Mary in all of us today. Come on, don't get holy on me this morning. Look around the person next to you and say, I see it. Come on, look at them and say, I, I, I see it. I see it's in your eyes. There, there's something, and if you're married to them, you don't have to say a word, do you? You just look at them. There's a little bit of crazy Mary in everybody in this room because we all share something. We share a sin gene in common. I don't mean genes. I mean a sin gene that's inside you that just tries to work you. Come on. Make you crazy. Did you see this video, big video on the, uh, on, on the Internet? It's uh, about um, an attack at McDonald's. This one poor gal is on the floor being beat to death. Two other gals just beat the everything out of her and then just keep coming back. And the employees don't do anything about it. And one is just videoing her. And it, what causes stuff like that? What causes? And all, in our community, we're shocked this week when I think a 21-year-old man killed a deputy. Come on. Where is all this stuff come from? Could someone go to the hospital and say, I've been raped? I mean, I mean, where does this come from in life? Why do people that seem like they have a good life, why do they want to drive their car into a telephone pole? Why, why, why does it, a young girl looking for acceptance will sleep with anybody, come on, because she so wants to be loved? 
I'm telling you, friends, evil is so woven into the fabric of our society, but Jesus wants to free us from these things. Come on. He freed crazy Mary. She was tired of the life she was living. And I, I want to tell you today, if you're tired of the life that you're living today, Jesus can set you free. Jesus can give you another life. Jesus can put you on the right track. If you've been on the wrong track, Jesus can put you on the right track. See, it starts when you do what Mary did, when she began to believe, and then she began to follow him. The same thing that happened to her happened to me. Listen, and it can happen to you if you make a step to Christ. It's real, my friends. Look at John chapter 3, and, and I want you to think with me just a minute. What, 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 what caused Mary to change? Now, I'm talking about more than just going to church. I'm talking about having a real-life encounter with Christ. Mary heard something. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you that I'm just going to throw out as possibilities that maybe crazy Mary heard, and that's when her life began to turn around. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, she heard that for the first time. She, she heard Jesus say that you can be saved, you can have a spiritual rebirth. The, the old you can go and a new you can come, and it's more than a New Year's resolution. Maybe she heard him say, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And she was listening there and, and thought that was me, that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, come on, would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world. And Mary had lived with the shame and condemnation of her old life. How many understand what I'm talking about? She knew what it was to look in the mirror and drop her head. She knew what it felt like to be unworthy even to pray and talk to God. But she knew all that. But she heard Jesus say, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm going to give you a brand new start. See, maybe she looked at, at friends that were buried and they left the tomb and it was sadness and, and it was just sorrow and emptiness and pain. But Jesus said, I'll make you live again. I, I'll cause the dead to rise. I'm going to give you some hope. She heard something. And Jesus said, it all starts when you're born again, when you're saved. Now listen, I went to church as a kid. I thank God Mama made me go to a Methodist church, but it didn't do any good. It wasn't the church's fault, but listen, I just, I had religion up here. But when I was 19 years of age, listen, everybody has times in their life when their paths begin to cross with God. Everybody has times when God in special ways begin to reach down to their heart and say, I want to talk to you if you'll listen to me. I want to change you if you'll listen to me, if you'll hear my voice. I was 19 years of age. If you looked on the outside, everything was going great in my world. I had a college scholarship. I was playing ball at school. I was dating the head cheerleader and the head majorette, and everybody wanted to be my friend. Come on. I'm just telling you, I had hair back then. Everything was different. If you wanted to drink, I had beer in the trunk. If you were sophisticated, I had wine. I was ready to go. I had other paraphernalia as well. I'm just telling you. I'm not proud of it, but I'm telling you, I was like Crazy Mary. And something was in my heart. There was an emptiness that was there. I was 19 years of age, and everything is going great on the outside, but I worked for my dad. We lived on a farm, and my job in the summer was to drive a tractor, and I would cultivate the soybeans and the cotton and the corn. There'd be some days where I'd be all by myself, and I wouldn't see a soul. I'd see rabbits and deer, and that was it until Granddaddy came and brought me, brought me lunch that day. But I can tell you, my friends, with a guy that seemed like everything was great, I would, I would just cry in the afternoon and didn't understand why. 
It's because God was opening my heart and showing me that the things I was doing was not the way I was going to be happy. It's like there was a hole in my heart, and I wanted to fill that bucket up with something. I'd go out and party at night, and I'd pour something in it, but the problem is it would drain out overnight, and I got to the point where I'd wake up in the morning and want to light up again. I'd wake up and I'd say, well, listen, I'm ready to go do it again because I want to be happy. I want people to accept me. And my friends were getting scuzzier and scuzzier. You understand what I'm talking about? This happiness was becoming more elusive and I just was going after it. And, and I thought if I just left the place, if I, if I joined the Navy to see the world, I'd be happy then. And I joined the Navy and before I got on that airplane, a Gideon gave me a little New Testament. It's this one right here. And he said, if you would just take some time and read God's Word, you'd see that God has a plan for your life. And I don't know what it was, but God was, was, was speaking to my life. I was searching. And I can remember I was reading in the back of this thing. I, mean, I was devouring it. Nobody had to make me read. I was just devouring it. And I read in the back where it said, God loved me. And somehow it was, it was hitting home. It said, I'm a sinner. And I never saw myself as a sinner. I thought I was a cool guy. But, but I was a sinner, and I began to read. And there's a tragic thing. The wages of sin is death that sin would bring judgment in this life and the world to come. But the good news was that I could be saved from all that. I could have a new start. I could be born again. God would change my life. But I'd have to receive Christ. I'd have to believe in Him. I'd have to ask for His forgiveness. And listen, I'd have to follow Him. Well, you didn't have to twist my arm. No preacher was there talking to me. I had a pillow over my head in a Navy boot camp saying, God, save my soul. And I want to tell you, I wrote my name in the back that next morning, August 15, 1976. And I'm telling you, I'm a changed person. The same God that changed Mary is the same God that changed me and is the same God that can change you. Jesus said you must be born again, and that's the starting place, my friend. Come on, give him a hand this morning. It's the starting place. Maybe, maybe, maybe she heard John 8, 34 when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Maybe she heard that, and, and she said, I don't want to be in bondage because Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, so listen, if you're tangled up with evil, I want to tell you today, Jesus can make you free. I want to tell you, if you are controlled by pornography and controlled by greed and controlled by lust and God is elusive and you put him on the shelf and take him off the shelf, I want to tell you, he can set you free. It is not some magic thing. It is not microwave popcorn, but it starts when you believe and your deliverance happened when you begin to follow him. The longer you follow Christ, it's like this stuff just falling off of you. You understand what I'm saying? It's like the old ways are just gone. I can remember when I, after I got saved and was serving God, I'd have my friends say, drink one. I, I don't want it anymore. I'd have, I, well, I won't tell you other things that were... were And the very things, the very people that I was going after, I'd say, you know what? I'm different now. I'm not the same. And, and I wasn't some religious holy Joe beating him over the head. I said, listen, other than the fact the Navy cut off all my hair, I'm still your friend. I, I just don't have a beer in the trunk. Now, I've got a Bible in the trunk. Would you like to talk about it? I don't want anything to do with you. you just gone weird. No. Oh, my. Maybe she heard John 8, 11. Jesus is speaking to a woman caught in adultery. Now, how many know when you're caught, you know you're guilty? You may, want to shut, you may want to clam up and say, I'm not saying anything until I talk to my lawyer, but you're guilty, you know it. 
And here this woman is, and the Pharisees are all around her, and they want to use the law of Moses to cause Jesus to throw rocks at this woman, big as cantaloupes and apples, and kill her because of her sin. And Jesus puts it right back on them. And then he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, conviction begins to fall on her. They all disappear, and Jesus and this woman are alone. And he says, where are your accusers? Where's those that are condemning you? And then Jesus said these words, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. And she heard something. Maybe Mary Magdalene was watching the way Jesus treated her. This woman, listen, who deserved some judgment, but Jesus said, listen, I love you, but I want you to change. I'm not going to condemn you for your yesterdays. I've come to give you a brand new start in life. And she saw this woman receive forgiveness, receive life, receive joy, and maybe Mary said, I want some of that. I want to follow a man that will love me, that won't just try to take me for what he can get from me, but someone that will love me and care for me, that won't cause me to live under the shame and condemnation of my mistakes. Can I tell you, my friend, it is Jesus. And somewhere along the way, Mary heard that. She knew what it was like to live under the scourge of evil. She knew what it was like to live under the control and influence. And now she heard a man telling her good news, and she found a man that set her free. And I want to tell you, friends, his name is Jesus, and he's the same yesterday, come on, today and forever. And the same Jesus that changed Mary can change you if you'll take a step this morning to believe in him and to follow him. In just a minute, I'm going to pray for you, offer you prayer this morning. And if you'll have the guts to say, pray for me, I'll make you a promise on God's holy word that God will meet you, my friend, that he will reach out to you, that he will offer you not just information for your mind, but something that has the ability to change your heart. This is not about this church this morning. I'm not trying to get you to join this church. I don't want a thing from you. I just want to tell you what a man told me, that Jesus Christ can change your life. It starts with your belief, and it happens when you begin to follow him. I want you to hear another testimony before we pray. We've got our own Mary in church. Come on up, Mary. Mary Block, give her a hand. She's going to tell you a little story before we pray this morning. Before I came to Christ, I lived a life where just about everything I did revolved around drugs and alcohol. It affected my marriage. It affected our children. It affected our finances because I couldn't really hold a job for very long. It affected our relationship with other people. And um, I can just tell you that I could go on and on, but one day Jesus stopped by 811 South M Street in Hope, Arkansas to see about me because I was dying and I was drowning in a sea of sin. But Jesus reached down and he pulled me up out of that sea of sin. And he sent us here to Texarkana, Texas, and he planted us right here in Church on the Rock. And since then, I've been saved, I've been filled with the Spirit, I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I have been born again. And since that, God has used my life in some miraculous ways. In November, of last year, my dad, he was 78 years old and he was, he had cancer and he was dying. But four weeks, four weeks before he died, God used my life to lead him to Christ. And just recently, I had a brother in New York City that had a massive stroke. And one hour before he died, he received Christ over the telephone one hour before he died. 
I tell you the truth. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. Because he died for me. And he set me free. Pastor, I got to say this. I was a lot like Mary Magdalene. I had more than one demon. Because when you, drugs and alcohol, there are spirits behind that. And there are, they do make you do crazy things and say crazy things. And when I see my children and one of my daughters say, Mommy, I prayed for you five years to be saved. I tell you the truth. Today is the day. Now is the time of salvation. God is alive. We don't serve a dead Jesus. We serve an alive God, and he's living right now in me. That's why I'm standing before you here today, is because now I'm a witness of what the power of God can do if you'll say yes to him. Yeah. yeah praise the Lord. Hang on just a minute. I don't think Mary's crazy anymore. What do you think? I think she's on the narrow path that leads to life. Did, did it happen overnight? I mean, did every, all your problems just go away? No, it didn't happen overnight. And it was a continuous battle. But I tell you, there was one incident where I had beer. I was surrounded by the very thing I was delivered from. And there was an incident where I had a chance. I said, hey, pour me up a beer, you know. And they poured it up and they set it right in front of me. But I couldn't drink it. And I pushed it back. And I said, you know, that's, I said yes to Christ and no to that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by any power of this flesh, but by the power of the Holy Ghost. And it is by the power of the Holy Ghost that we overcome and that we can say no to evil. We can say no to drugs, no to alcohol, no to lying, no to cursing, no to prejudice, no to all of these things that come with that. Jesus is alive today. And he's knocking at the hearts of a lot of people right now in this congregation. I tell you the truth, Jesus is alive. Yeah. Praise the Lord. God bless you, Mary. Thank you. I've tried to tell you two things. Well, big thing this morning is that Jesus can change your life. But it's not some more formula. It's not some magic. It's not taking Tylenol on the headache goes away. But it starts when you believe. It starts when you come to Christ with forgiveness, and then change happens when you begin to follow. And following includes saying no to some things and saying yes to some things. And when you say no long enough to the people pushing the beer, the alcohol, the sex, the drugs, guess what? They're going to quit offering, and they're going to go away because they say, you really are crazy. But really, I'm normal, and you're crazy. You're so crazy, you don't even know you're crazy. But I'm normal. Listen, this is your moment this morning. You didn't come for a production or a pageant. You didn't come to be entertained this morning. You came here today, my friends, because God wants to change your life. I don't know how you got here, but the fact is you're here. You're not in a Buddhist temple somewhere. Come on. You're not sitting at home with your legs crossed, chanting something, trying to connect with God. You've come to the house of God. You've heard the word of God today that, listen, God can take a woman whose life was radically messed up, Mary Magdalene, and bring her to the foot of the cross and let her be an influential person. I want to ask you, my friends, are you tired of the way you're living? Are you ready for God to change your life? Because it can begin today. See, many of you are here this morning, and your first step this morning is to believe in Christ. Your first step this morning is to say, I literally believe that Christ 
gave his life on the cross for my sins, that he was raised from the dead on the third day. I believe that. I'm going to entrust my soul to him, and I'm going to receive him as my Savior. I'm going to ask God to forgive my sins today. Many of you need to do that today. It is your first step. No one will twist your arm or obligate you, but I want to open the door and tell you that at this moment in time, God is speaking through me and through these witnesses saying that He loves you and He wants you to make this step and begin to follow Him today. It's like getting in your car and turning the key and the engine comes on. I mean, power is made available. It was already resident, but you've got to turn the key. You've got to believe. And then the motor cranks up. But it's not just believing. Most of you in here believe. Most of you in here know what I've said. I didn't tell you anything new, but what you're not doing is you're not following Christ. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, but it means you're missing the greatest opportunity in life for God to change you. Because change happens when you begin to say yes to God. Yes, I'm willing to follow you. Yes, I'm willing to open my Bible. Yes, I'm willing to pray. Yes, I'm willing to surrender my life. It's the biggest word in the American vocabulary for some of us. I want to surrender my life and I want to make Christ first. I already believe the right thing, but today I'm going to make a step to God and begin to follow Him and let Christ be the Lord of my life. I promise you, my friend, if you will get on that journey, your life will never be the same again. So if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want the church to pray today. I'm about to make the most bold statement I've ever made in my life. I'm going to say I need God, and I'm going to make a step to God this morning. I want you guys to pray for me so God would help me live for Him. I need to be forgiven. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I need forgiveness of my sins, and I don't want to leave till I've settled that with God. And for most of you that are here today that already believe, you need to have the courage to make a fresh declaration that I'm going to follow Christ, and it starts today. If you're here this morning and I'm talking to you right now, and there's a battle going on on the inside, one part of you wants to run out the door, but another part of you wants to run up here and say, I want to pray. Which one of those do you think is God? Come on. The guy in the video where somebody he had a gun pointed to his head and a voice came to his ear, what will your mama think? Which, which voice do you think was trying to get him to take his life and which one was trying to get him to have life? Listen, if you're here this morning and you're saying, I'm ready to get right with God, pray for me. I want you to just lift your hand this morning. We're going to pray for you. Who's got the guts to be the first one this morning? Pray for me. God bless you, my friend. And God bless you. Let me see other people. There's a number of people over here. I'm ready to start believing and following. God bless you, friend. And God bless you, ma'am. And God bless you, sir. And God bless both of you. And God bless you. Come on, many other people. God bless you. Come on, many people today.